from APM, American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. The polling organization Gallup measured student engagement last year and found that it drops sharply between fifth grade and twelfth grade. That matters because, obviously, the more engaged students are in high school, the better they do. But it's also a marker for how well they'll do after high school. The executive director of Gallup Education has a simple-sounding idea for how to reverse the disengagement trend. He says students should start doing something they're good at every day, and schools should build on that instead of concentrating on academic weaknesses. Brandon Busteed joins us on the podcast this week to explain what difference a strength-based approach would make and how it might work. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. What does an engaged student look like, and uh, how do you measure it? It's measured by questions like uh, whether a student uh, has believed that they have somebody who cares about their development, whether they have a chance to do what they're best at every day, whether they feel, for example, like they have a best friend at school. Uh, So they're uh, what you would think of as kind of deep emotional and relationship drivers, not necessarily how much time or energy they're spending doing something. And um, when we measure engagement, as you noted, uh, you know, it it, uh, actually decreases over time in school, which is kind of the opposite of what we would hope for if things were working really well. And why does it? We look at the various questions that we use to measure engagement. Um, one of the strongest questions is uh, a stu- about a student's belief that they have a chance to do what they're best at each day in school. And it turns out that only about 48% of 5th through 12th graders in the U.S. say they strongly agree to that. Uh, but if they do, there's virtually no chance that they're disengaged in school. It's actually 1%. So if you look at, uh, you know, just a very simple statement, probably one of the greatest drivers of, uh, of a student's engagement in school is whether they can at some point each day touch that moment where they feel like they're doing something they're really good at, something that they're best at. Uh, and I think that's a real uh, challenge for uh, all of us to think about how we can create opportunities uh, for that to happen for more students. When students responded about what they're best at, how many of them responded with something that is sort of an academic activity or trait? 44% of high school students are engaged, and most of their engagement is linked to things that are commonplace in school, right? These are students who um, do very well on tests. They get good grades. They follow the instructions. They're staying out of trouble, right? There's a whole bunch of things that allow them, because they're they're good at those things, uh, to feel like they're being successful, to feel like they're doing things that they're great at. But, you know, we have to ask the question, what about a kid who is very creative or, um, you know, likes to work with their hands? You know, to what degree does a student like that say, I have a chance to do what I'm best at each day, right? So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that someone thinks about, but when they when they have that emotion of either saying they do have a chance to do what they're best at every day or don't, that's just a huge difference. And I mean, think of how engaged any of us would be in our work if we worked for weeks and weeks and months and never felt like we were doing the thing that we were best at. I mean, not, not many of us would last very long in those jobs. We'd probably desperately interested in finding a new job or, you know, a different role in that organization that might get to it. So you think about it through the lens of students, you know, if, um, if I'm not a kid who's who's just fantastic at memorizing and and testing well, and but I have other skills and talents, um, you know that that's something that we need to pay attention to. I think we do a pretty poor job of identifying students' strengths and assets 
I think we do a poor job of this as, as, uh, as a school system. I think we do a poor job of this in the workplace. And even as parents, I'm a parent of young children, and I'm taught more about how to look for problems, you know, signs of ADHD or signs of this problem or that problem. There's a lot of literature about that. And so I get in this framework where I'm constantly worried about, oh, maybe that's a sign of blah or blah. But, but the idea here is what if we actually turned our mindset to observing them more closely around things that they are naturally excelling at or the things that they're most excited about. And I think that's the simple change of mindset that we all have to try to make. Have you visited or identified places that are using this strength-based approach in junior high or high school? Well, certainly. I mean, whether they actually use those words or not, uh, there's there's examples all over the country. Uh, and here's the good news. We've measured high schools where their student engagement is in the high 70% range. You know, they look like elementary schools based on engagement. And um, when it comes down to it, you know, these are school environments where uh, the principals and the teachers care deeply about the students. They get to know those students uh, in terms of how they tick at a very individual level. Um, they also provide lots of opportunities opportunities for students to apply that, right? So these are schools that have invested in project-based learning, uh, you know, a lot of elements that allow students to, um, you know, explore things that they're good at and then, you know, to spend more time doing those. So they're, they're typically schools that have a little bit more flexibility in their curriculum. You know, they have more flexibility in how teachers can work together in, te- in teaming environments. So, you know, there's definitely attributes of these schools. And by the way, this is across public schools and private schools and public charter schools, so it's not necessarily, uh, you know, linked to the type of model. It's more about how those people in that building are operating, not necessarily the, the type of school it is. And just to be clear, you're not suggesting that students should avoid subjects that either they don't like or they're not good at. No, absolutely not. So, so to draw a distinction here, there's there's certain things that all of us are naturally inclined to be better at than than anybody else, right? So, the, what we would call talents, and you know, no one would argue that a player in the NBA doesn't have talent. They also wouldn't argue that they didn't work very hard to get there. So, when we think about all the professions and we think about that through the lens of students, you know, there are things that we all have as natural talents that you know, if we apply on a regular basis, they become strengths. We also know a lot of people who have talent for something that they've never applied. Well, it, it doesn't become a strength unless you put it to work every day. So we're not saying that if a kid can't read that, you know, you don't work on helping them become literate. Absolutely not. That's very different from saying, let's just uh, take an example of um, some of these talent themes that Gallup studies. Uh, w- one of them is uh, strategic. And if you have a student who has a strategic talent theme, you might just give him or her a slightly different homework assignment. So here's an example. Let's just take American history. It's a lesson on George Washington. You don't need to teach every student in the class a different lesson on George Washington, but if there's a homework assignment to write a paper, a student who has strategic talent, uh, it might be interesting to assign them a paper on George Washington's military strategy because they would find that fascinating. They would be engaged in that. It would tap into things that they're naturally gifted in thinking about. But for a student who might have uh, talent themes that are related to great, what, what most people would call great people skills, what we would call empathy or relator or connectedness talent themes, uh, maybe for that student, the best homework assignment would be to write a paper on the relationship 
between George and Martha and how that withstood the stress of leadership. I mean, these are just simple examples, but it's not as complicated as having to customize every single thing we teach to every single student, but in the opportunities where the student might actually get to select their own homework assignment linked to the topic, or the teacher knows some of their special talents or interests, they can kind of craft it in that way. And I think you get to a place where if I don't like math, I can become better at math if I tap into my talent themes. And so I'll just give one more example. Uh, there, are, there are kids who are hardwired uh, to be competitive. It's just part of their nature. They love to benchmark themselves against others. So for those kids, it's actually motivating to show them how their test score related to the other test scores in their class. But for students who don't have competition as a theme, it could be devastating to them. You know, they don't want to know how they're uh, doing against other students. So even in how we set up some of the systems around testing, for some students, it's actually a really healthy thing because it taps into things that are natural about who they are. Uh, for others, it could be, uh, you know, really damaging. But if we get to know those talent dimensions, we can power them through learning how to read. We can power them through math, not because they love math or are great at reading, but because we're tapping into the assets they have to be motivated to get through it. What does this require of teachers that they're not doing now? Uh, do they do they have to essentially teach each student individually? No, I see. I you know to my point, I don't think it's that complicated. It's not easy, but um, the best teachers in our country are already doing this. These are individuals who just intuitively walk into a classroom and want to get to know what makes each individual student tick differently. And they will, over time, uh, start to tailor how they motivate that student, how they interact with that student, how they think about homework assignments for that student. It will happen, right? I think in general, if we just think about the education system more broadly, the good news is it's not as overwhelming as teaching every single student something differently. There are examples of how you can tailor things to it. So even taking project-based learning, if a, if a group of students are working as a team, let's just say three students working on a project, each of them bring different talents and special interests to the table. I saw this in an intro to Spanish class. Fascinating example. Three students, the homework assignment was, uh, and they were doing this in the classroom, to come up with an imaginary vacation that they would take to a Latin American country. They had to decide where they were going to go. They had to decide what they were going to do on this vacation. And they had to write a postcard home describing in Spanish what they did on their vacation. Now, there was one student who was searching the Internet for exotic destinations for vacations in Latin America. There was another one who was trying to figure out how you translate parasailing from English to Spanish. And the other one was working on the design of the postcard. Now, they were all learning about different elements of that, but they were all using their own individual interests and strengths to do it. So I just think there's plenty of examples of how we can make this happen that are not overcomplicated. And in some respects, one of the easiest answers could be maybe we just need to provide more time in school for students to have some flexibility. So we have very over-programmed schedules right now in most schools. What if we just had one period a day, 40 minutes, where that student could, in collaboration with a teacher, pursue a project that they're interested in, a project that plays to their strengths. That would be a brilliant addition to our, our educational system. And I worry that we just don't give students any flexibility to explore those things. So if it's not part of the core curriculum, uh, you don't get it. So if it is, you know, if you're a student who loves the things that are in the core curriculum, you thrive. If you're the kind of kid who doesn't touch that at any point in the week, uh, they're ones that uh, are obviously struggling. 
Brandon Busteed is executive director of Gallup Education, a division of the Gallup Polling Organization. He writes frequently about the link between research and policy. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. We have a link to the 2013 Gallup student poll at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, you can find more podcasts about student engagement and other issues in K-12 and higher education. You can also browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects, and you can let us know what you think of our coverage. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. You can like us on Facebook at American.RadioWorks. You can follow us on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from Lumina Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.